Good evening and welcome to the NFL Draft. Tonight, we officially welcome the next generation of players. So if you're ready, are you ready? Let's get it started. The NFL Draft is officially open. Welcome inside the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. I am Trevor Sikama. With me is Benjamin Solak on the final team takeover fix your team edition of the 2021 cycle 2021 offseason i guess i probably should call it been a big sad man we're coming to the end this is the this is it we did we did the last mock draft that we're ever going to do yesterday now we're doing mm-hmm. the last fix your team episode that we're ever going to do fan friday is the last fan friday we're ever okay no that's, that's not true monday's the last podcast ever tuesday's the last time trev and i will speak for the rest of our <laughs> lives is vow of silence. We're just going our separate ways after that. We've 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 Fine. done everything. We we have fulfilled our human interaction for our lifetime. This chapter is closing. Yeah. Anyway, shout out you. Shout out me. Ben, how are you doing, delicious. my friend? Oh, beat you to it. Everything is delicious. Uh unbelievably, because the news is that there's no news. But three seconds before we got on the to record this podcast, Diana Rossini of ESPN, uh Tweets out, uh, you know, just in case anyone was wondering, uh, sources say there's no no movement on Deshaun Watson. Houston continues to avoid conversations with teams in regards to trading Deshaun Watson. They're refusing to trade the franchise quarterback, which right before this show, I did not need a reminder that the Houston Texans probably are going to make this as difficult as possible. But they are. That's unfortunate. It's very topical for today because the final Fix Your Team episode is featuring the Miami Dolphins. We couldn't get into all of the teams that were playoff caliber teams, double-digit win teams, and, and teams that are lower in the draft order, higher in the draft order, lower in the draft order, however you want to say it. But we did want to get to the Dolphins because they are the center of a lot of news. They're the center of the Deshaun Watson news with him being the potential destination for him to get traded to. And then, of course, they own the number three overall pick as well. So that's very interesting for this podcast, as this is a draft podcast so let's intro the Miami Dolphins shall we their current GM it's Chris Greer his father Big Bobby Greer I don't know if Big normally goes in there but I'm just giving him a nickname going with Big Bobby Greer he was the assistant director of pro personnel for the Houston Texans in the NFL Greer worked under his father when he went to the New England Patriots and that's where Greer got his start as a intern in 1994 from 94 to 99 he was well first an intern but then he became an area scout and he was a national scout then he went over to the Miami Dolphins from 2000 to 2007 he kind of did that same thing he went area scout and then he went national scout then he was promoted to the director of scouting back in 2008 so he's been doing this a long long time he's had his he's had his hand on the pulse of the draft for the Miami Dolphins for a long time, since 2008. In 2015, that was the final year that he was the director of scouting because in 2016, he got promoted to be in charge of everything. He got promoted to be the general manager for the Dolphins. Five days after making, or after taking that GM promotion, he hired Adam Gase to be the team's head coach. Not great. Not a great start, Ben. Suboptimal. Not a great start to the tenure, but at the time, Adam Gase was seen as, you know, Next great offensive mind, a guru, take the team to the next level. He didn't really do that, but I, I did find it interesting that that was his first move. Also, his first draft, when I look back on it for 2016, 
This is the Laramie Tunsil draft. You know, this was the draft where mm-hmm. Laramie Tunsil was seen as a top three prospect in the class. Can't miss franchise offensive tackle. He has the video that comes out of him smoking pot and that gas mask, which was. Yep. It was a lot of things. It was hilarious. It was saddening for Laramie because you knew that this was just going to affect him in a way that it shouldn't have. It came out at literally the worst time on draft night. And so as Laramie Tunsil was falling down draft boards, it became a conversation of like, who's going to take the chance? Like, who's going to draft this dude? And it ended up being Chris Greer, which it was crazy to think that, hey, this is this guy's first year in charge of things. This is his first year calling the shots, and he takes the chance on Laramie Tunsil. Also, by the way, drafted Zayvon Howard and Kenyon Drake in that draft. As for the draft history after that, it's kind of spotty. It's been kind of spotty, but he has he has had plenty of players as of late that have really helped his team out, and that all the way came to a 10-6 and six season that they had this past year. I was going to intro Brian Flores right after that, but I'll open the floor. Do you have any Chris Greer thoughts before I move on to Brian Flores? Uh, Screw you for trading so many picks. It's impossible to keep track of what picks the Dolphins do and don't have. Uh, It's a total nightmare. Shout out Chris Greer. You're doing great, Chris. You're you're bothering Ben. You're making his life more difficult, which is something that we all strive to do. So you're doing great. Keep doing what you're doing. Their current head coach is Brian Flores. We mentioned that they had Adam Gase. Didn't exactly work out. So now they've got Flores, and I'd say that things are working out a little bit better for him. Flores started his career as a scouting assistant, so he also started things on the scouting side of things at just age 22 in 2004 for the New England Patriots. The Patriots won the Super Bowl that year during that 2004 season, and uh, that will mean something as we continue this Brian Flores journey. After he was a scouting assistant, though, he flipped over. He went over to the coaching side of things and became a special teams assistant for them in 2008. He held a handful of different position coach titles for them, linebacker coach. He was a defensive assistant. He was a safeties coach all the way up until 2018. In 2018, Flores became the defensive play caller. And in that season, guess what? Patriots won the Super Bowl. And a big reason why was because of the defensive performance that they had. So Flores... In the first year that he ever worked in the NFL with the New England Patriots, won a Super Bowl as part of that staff. And then in 2018, the final year that he worked with the New England Patriots, he also won a Super Bowl. So he 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 came in and he went out under the same I am a champion feeling, which is uh, pretty rare. Following that 2018 season, he was hired as head coach of the Dolphins. He famously got absolutely smacked in the mouth his first game as a head coach, lost 59 to 10. You remember that that Ravens game? Ravens game. Right. We were all like, what's Lamar going to be? And Lamar was like, the MVP. Okay. (laughs) I can't think of, you know, for a coach who started his career with a Super Bowl and then ended his tenure with that same team with the Patriots a decade later, well, actually more than a decade later, with another Super Bowl. For him to then absolutely get shellacked in his first game, I think that that was probably karma in the universe. But I only say that because he's turned it around and we get to praise him for a lot of other things. He bounced around with quarterbacks early on in that uh, that 2019 season. It was Ryan Fitzpatrick. It was Josh Rosen. Nothing was really working for him. That season started 0-7. And, you know, we were having conversations, Ben, about this being the next team to go 0-16. Like we talked about, is this Miami team the worst team ever? But after they go 0-7, kind of turn it around a little bit. And I kind of, I guess they really did. They finished 5-11, and a very respectable 5-11, and given how they started the year, ended the game on a, or ended the season on a two-game winning streak. The following year, 
They nearly made the playoffs. They turned this bad boy around. If you go from the 0-7 start they had in 2019 to then a year and a half later where the Dolphins are, what Brian Flores has done with that team, unbelievable. They gave themselves a chance to make the playoffs all the way to the final week of the season, finished with a 10-6 record. He was going back and forth with QBs again, and he was still able to have success with that. But as a defensive guy, I wanted to highlight this before I turn it over to you. They were the worst defense in the NFL in 2019. Brian Flores, he's supposed to be a defensive guy, but a defensive guy is his whole coaching career. They were the worst defense in the NFL in so many different categories. The one that I'm looking at here that means a lot is DVOA, the football outsiders metric and, and way of analyzing a team. They went to the 12th ranked defense in 2020, but even more than that, they were the number one team in the NFL when it came to forcing turnovers. So the night and day flip of the switch that Brian Flores was able to do on the defensive side of the ball, which you know this, it takes a lot to be good at defense. Like everything, the things have to work with so much chemistry. Guys have to come together. They have to believe in the same scheme. They have to know exactly what they're doing. The secondary's got to feed off the linebackers, off the front. Like everything has to go well. And so it's not often that defenses can really change from the worst in the league, by far the worst in the league, to then a top 10 defense the year later. But that's what Brian Flores has been able to do. And I think that really when you look at how things started to how things are right now, two years later for him, this is one of the promising young head coaches in the NFL at just 39 years old. He's got a fantastic resume that he's built over these last two years. And if you're a Dolphins fan, you got to be happy about where your team is with Brian Flores. Not even bringing up the most important thing with Brian Flores, which is that he nearly fought Zach Taylor on a football field uh, in the middle of the season, it's which true. would have been what <sighs> he'd have beat I thought the crap Brian... out of Zach Taylor. Yeah, it'd be crap out of pretty much anybody. Uh, I thought that Flores should have been a running favorite for coach of the year. And when the Dolphins weren't able to make the playoffs, the Browns did. I get why Stefanski won it, uh, especially because of the history around the Browns and difficulty finding winning seasons, finding good coaches, finding playoff wins, so on and so forth. So I get it. But I think if the Dolphins would have made the playoffs, especially with the way that they were juggling quarterback like successfully like they were juggling quarterback and still winning games with it and not having massive locker room problems to me that was a testament to the the head coach uh, so i wish he would have been able to win coach of the year and if he would have won coach of the year the video of him chasing down the Bengals sideline would have appeared back on the timeline with the swiftness and everybody doesn't know what i'm talking about when there was that there was like a multiple unsportsmanlike conduct penalty in the Bengals dolphins game uh the dolphins Kickoff returner got hit hard on, on the sideline a little bit late. And Flores, just the camera's on him, just immediately after the hit, just starts walking. Not like fast, but like with a purpose. Like the scary slow walk of somebody who knows what they're doing. Like he doesn't have to run in and surprise I'm anybody. I'm thinking just about like, it. Right? It's, it's like Thanos, right? He's just like, I'm going oh, on my yeah, own pace here. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Starts screaming at the Bengals sideline. His players have to hold him back. Oh my gosh, he's my favorite person in the world. Anyway. <laughs> Uh, this goes this this of course goes a lot into how good you are as a head coach. 100%. Yeah, well, culture guy. So, but like, and on a note of seriousness here, uh, if well, we want to talk serious? about him, him, him sauntering over to yeah, the, the sideline to challenge yeah, another yeah. head coach in serious, that was extremely serious. Uh, in a note of personnel and draft discussion commentary here, uh, 
the Dolphins spent two hundred and seventeen million dollars in free agency last year. They they doled out over a hundred million dollars in guaranteed money. It was the biggest million million dollars. It was the biggest spending spree of the twenty twenty offseason. It was the biggest spending spree of uh, the Dolphins team history. It's the most money they've ever spent in one offseason. Front office and coaching staff in alignment. We're going to be good on defense. How are we good on defense in New England? We were able to play man coverage. All right. The Cowboys are going to let Byron Jones walk. We already have a top corner. Let's get a second top corner. You know what that's going to let us do? It's going to let us play man coverage whenever we want. So we're not going to have a liability on the other side of the field opposite Xavier Howard. They bring in Byron Jones. Guess what Xavier Howard does? Has a defensive player of the year caliber season, right? He the, was the, you, wrote, you wrote the piece in terms of the production matching what Stephon Gilmore did in New England under not – Brian Flores. That was the year after he left. But it doesn't oh, matter. dude, that anyway. was so good. I was so I almost I almost just said the words Brian Flores to let you roll with it, knowing that you were yeah. wrong because you yeah. felt so oh, good. Oh, it's just a mistake. It. It's fine. Um, but it was close. Anyway, uh, it's a good thing so we've Kyle we've did, never had a mistake right. on this podcast. You know, like we we never can't once. we we can't ruin the perfect record. We've never missed on a we've never missed on a team. We've never missed on a prospect. And so, the, yeah, I, I, I could admit back. Way yep. to catch yourself there. That's why we're the best. And that's why we're never doing the podcast ever again. No, yeah, uh, we got to keep up the record. <laughs> in New England, versatile front seven players. So we bring in a free agency, Emmanuel Ogba. We bring in Shaq Lawson. We bring in uh, Landon Roberts. We bring in Kamugu J. Hill. We bring in Kyle Van Noy. And these end up being all primary snap getters for this team. Uh, the, o- like, the only players that they had that were significant snap getters on the, in the front seven that were in Miami before that free agency spree were Jerome Baker and Zach Sealer. Zach Sealer's defensive tackle who Flores brought in his first year. Uh, Jerome Baker was obviously their drafted linebacker, third round out of Ohio State, was playing pretty well. On the defensive front then, it was Ogba, it was Shaq Lawson, it was Raekwon Davis who they drafted. They had Christian Wilkins as well, Christian Wilkins, excuse me, who was a, uh, right, a draft pick from a couple years ago. And then in the linebacker room, right, it's Roberts, it's Kamugu J. Hill, it's Kyle Van Noy. And so you're looking at a complete turnover in front seven personnel to match what you're doing in the secondary in the spirit of the New England defense. We bring in those bodies, uh, you know, okay, Van Noy's a big money free agent. He's great for this role. We know he is. We're going to spend there. But hey, Emmanuel Ogba has always been viewed as like an edge two, edge three rotational guy. He comes in and is extremely productive rushing the passer from him. He was tremendous. Shaq Lawson was the bigger contract. All right, he's our 275 pounder. He's our big end guy. He doesn't have the same pass rushing season, but he's what they want as being able to put a guy in the B gap, right? Being able to put a pass rusher in on the inside. Raekwon Davis, they take from Alabama and they say, we want you to be long. We want you to be able to push the pocket with power. We want you to be able to cover multiple gaps with your size in the running game. It's exactly what he does. So front office, coaching staff in alignment. And in one year, like you said, defense. Worst to first, not actually first, but very, very good, right? This is exactly how it was supposed to go. Now, you have to be able to do the same thing on offense. That's what's left. And A, you aren't a necessarily, like, you don't have an offensive guru on on the coaching staff, right? Brian Flores brought in Chan Gailey to be the offensive coordinator in Miami. Nobody thought that that was going to be a good idea. It ended up not being a good idea. And there we go. Now it's internal promotions. Uh, Eric Studsville, who was the running backs coach, and George Godsey, who I want to say was the offensive line coach previously. Can't help you there. Um, I can't. I can't. I can't risk being wrong about something. So I'm just gonna. Yeah, I can't say that's anything. facts. 
So, uh, Studesville was definitely running backs and running game coordinator. I can't remember what gods he was. I'll find it in a sec. Uh, internal promotions, right? So, you're relying on this staff to be able to do the same thing on offense. And you look and you see that you have a rookie quarterback who clearly needs more support than you gave him last year. You have an offensive line in which players moved around, and you have some question marks at different spots depending on your internal evaluations. So that's where your personnel department and your, and your coaching staff has to be in lockstep when you're doing those internal evals to decide what you need. You cycled through seven different slot wide receivers without success last year, uh, and you were running back by committee team that may need a massive improvement at running back. There's room for improvement at every single position on offense. So exactly what the Dolphins did last year in free agency and in the draft took them from 5-11 and 11 to 10-6. and six. It, it, it fulfilled Brian Flores' vision for the defense, which he was brought in, to champion right to lead now the task is doing it on offense and that's going to be a tougher road to hoe you don't have 95 bajillion dollars in cap space this year like you once did uh and you have obviously this weird quarterback situation with Tua, who you pulled a couple of times and deshaun watson side of floating around there so right. the task is the same but it's also twice as hard as it was yeah no we're, we're gonna get to the offensive side of the ball we're gonna look at their salary cap situation because it's it's not like the Dolphins don't have cap to spend this year since they spent a lot last year they still have a lot of flexibility on what they could do with this roster we're gonna get to that after the break but first a note from our friends over at rockauto.com a family-owned business serving auto parts to customers online for over 20 years you can go over rockauto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of different manufacturers if you go to the website just look on the left hand side you're going to be able to find your exact car make model year everything and all of the parts that they have for it that you're looking for that you might need to order whether it's a fix whether it's an upgrade something you need quickly if you don't see exactly what you're looking for, you can also hit them up. They've got great customer service. Go to rockauto.com right now. See all the parts they have available for your car or truck. And if you do go there, right, locked on NFL Draft and their little how did you hear about us box. So they know that we sent you over there. They've got an amazing selection, reliably low prices against anybody, all of the best car parts that you are ever going to need over at rockauto.com. We're going to get into Tua Tunga Bailoa, Deshaun Watson, what to do with that Miami Dolphins offense after the break. February is Black History Month, and the Locked On Podcast Network is honoring the challenges and success of black men and women in sports with a new series called Locked On Presents More Than the Game. This week, we have two conversations for you to wrap up the month. First, a discussion on protest in sports across the league. Then, tune in for a discussion on the importance of black history in sports. What's been achieved and the important work left to be done, all discussed on the Locked On Presents podcast feed. Subscribe over on the radio.com app or wherever you get your podcast. So the big question with the Miami Dolphins, what do we do at quarterback? You look at some of their needs on offense. Yes, they could use a different wide receiver. Devontae Parker's had a nice last two seasons. Preston Williams had a really great run his first year. Those guys are still there. But after that on the depth chart, it's, it's, it's a lot of guys that could have upgrades. They could stand to get another explosive playmaker in there, no doubt about it. They have Mike Kosicki at tight end, who is an alien kind of freak they're hoping to develop and use a lot more in the passing game. They could use an upgrade at running back as well. Matt Breed is a free agent. They have Gaskin. Uh, they have Salvan, but I think that a, a feature RB1 could be in the cards for them. The offensive line, 
it's not the best, but it's young, right? I mean, it's, it's a lot of guys that are learning. Solomon Kenley, Robert Hunt, uh, Austin Jackson, all of these guys are, are still you're hoping their best ball is ahead of them. And so there's a lot to get excited about, and there's a good baseline here with Miami. But when you look at their salary cap, they have about $30 million in projected cap, which is the 12th most in the NFL. And you figure most of it's going to be used on the offensive side because of what they were able to do last year with a lot of those defensive additions. All that, of course, circles around the guy that they picked in the first round at number five overall last year, quarterback Tua Tungavailoa. And going through his career at Alabama, we looked at Tua, and we remember the first time he came in for the national championship game, and, and he came in and, and he lit the world on fire by hitting Devontae Smith for a touchdown in the left corner of the left sideline, winning the national championship, and it was just all Tua Tungavailoa from that moment on. At that point, he was still two years away from being a draft-eligible prospect, and he finally gets to that point. We talked about him versus Burrow with Justin Herbert in the class as well. And he ends up going number five overall. He had the he had the really rough uh, hip and leg and, and, and so much more injury that ended his career prematurely at Alabama. He ends up still being a top five overall pick. I didn't even know if he'd play last year. You know, like I I, th- I thought that even, even with him going number five overall, the Dolphins should have been comfortable not even having to play him. And they ended up going to him at a very interesting time when I believe that they were 3-3 three and three with Ryan Fitzpatrick and had won a good amount of their games. I think three out of the last four when that move was actually made. And so the timing was a little bit interesting, but you looked at it and you said, hey, two is the future. If he's healthy, let him in there. Let's see what he could do. And I think that he was fine, right? I mean, like he, he tried to play mistake-free. He didn't try to ruin it for his team. He didn't try to push it too hard and get turnovers. But also... We saw the team wasn't exactly ready to trust him when it came to those crunch time fourth quarter drives or those two-minute drills and things like that. And and it even got to the point where Brian Flores was switching him out for the veteran Ryan Fitzpatrick. And so this now has everyone swirling, thinking, okay, do they not believe in Tua? Because you got, you got guys like Burrow and, and guys like Justin Herbert who have full confidence from their team, even as rookies. And we've seen this before in years past, but... Dolphins were so quick to pull Tua. Is there something here? Could they not? Could they have buyer's remorse on him already? Yes, Dolphins fans. Some of them are all in still on Tua Tagovailoa. Some of them are looking at quarterbacks in this draft. Although I don't think that it happens. But they have the number three overall pick. And then of course you have other Dolphins fans who are looking at Deshaun Watson as the potential right move, including giving up on Tagovailoa. And so it's a very interesting situation. Ben, where do you fall on on kind of? the Tua outlook at this point, maybe for Miami and then also for yourself. Okay, so. Yes. My microphone just decided to mute in the middle of my conversation. Okay, right. listen, it wasn't it's ready. Cool. You were going to say something. It wasn't true. It and your microphone was hot, like, ben. we've got the perfect record. All you have to do is wait until Friday and you never have to speak to Trevor again. I'm going to do your favor here. Number one, Tua coming out. Uh, very good quarterback prospect injury. We're going to make him the pick at five. Uh, with all of the Justin Herbert smoke screening that went on, the fact that Herbert was really, really good with the chargers is got to be a little bit. It is kind of tricky. Funny. Yeah. Yeah, it is. I, you wonder to what degree, you know, they were really debating on Herbert versus two, as opposed to they were just kind of like putting that out there to try to get people to move and so on and so forth, but whatever. Bring him in. We got to wait for him to be healthy. Uh, we feel like he's healthy. We feel like he can push our offense a little bit. We feel like he's ready to go in and, and give us a jump and give us a spark. 
Uh, we want to see what we have with the guy over the next eight games. So we put him in. Plays decently well. We get the win over Arizona. Like we've got, you know, like he's not a, a limiting factor on our offense. And then sometimes he is a limiting factor on our offense, right? He gets the the hand injury. Fitzpatrick has to come in for a game. Uh, it's week 16 against the Raiders where they pull him uh, late in the game. They put Fitzpatrick back in. Fitzpatrick obviously ends up making that ludicrous play uh, that throw to Mac Hollins against uh, cover two. Very famous King. one. King. Yep. And uh, it makes that win for them. And then it's to a, once again, starting in week 17. So that dance back and forth, you know, they're, they're every single Sunday. They're like, all right, who's the quarterback? And every single Sunday they're like, yeah, it's it's uh, it's Tua. Tua's going to be our quarterback. That's who he is. And we're sticking with it. Offseason comes. Deshaun Watson potentially becomes available. Miami is very clearly and quite publicly interested. I think the first thing to to say with confidence is that over the nine games that Tua started, Tua looked like a rookie quarterback. He had some really good moments. He mm-hmm. had some great scrambles outside of the pocket, tucking the ball, showing confidence, running, especially important because he had that hip injury. You want to see him feel like he's an athlete, see him feel like he can still run the ball, and it seemed like he could. He had some really nice throwing moments as well. Uh, showed poise, showed the ability to bounce back from from bad mistakes, from, from interceptions, from incompletions, showed growth uh, throughout the game, throughout the season. Also was a little bit starstruck by NFL speed. Uh, was definitely it did, yeah. Uh, it, did, it did seem like that. Yeah, there's no doubt about like Tua came in and was like, "I played at Alabama. I know how things go." And it's like, yeah, but also, uh, those guys were just getting open. You know what right. I mean? Like Tua's <laughs> right. Tua's final season came with Judy and Ruggs and Waddle and Smith. Like it's it's this is Devonta Parker and Preston Williams and and freaking Isaiah Ford and Lynn Bowden who doesn't even really play wide receiver. Like this is a little bit different. Um, also like you know his offensive coordinator got fired. They were like, they brought him in for one year, and then they were like, please leave. Like this, Gailey struggled to help Tua the way you, you know, if, if your rookie quarterback plays and you fire your offensive coordinator, it tells you what you thought of how they were able to work things for him, right? They clearly want to make things easier for Tua than Gailey was making it out to be. Uh, I would also argue there was a little bit of incongruity in terms of how the personnel fit the quarterback uh, before the draft. I would have said Tua, you know, quick game, rhythm drops, three-step, five-step, underneath separators, produced with Yak. And the Dolphins were like, we have Preston Williams and Devontae Parker, which obviously I know Preston got banged up. But um, they they got skyscrapers, right? Mike Gesicki, the, the Adam Shaheen, right? This was this was about size. Right. Matt Collins, this was about, you know, when, when Fitz would come in, it would just be nine balls, right? Like that's that's They lived in, and died on that, on that contested catch. That was not what Tua was asked to do at Alabama. It's not what his arm lends him to do, right? Because he's got like a, a fine arm, but it's not a, a hammer or anything like that. So you don't want him throwing constant back shoulder whips, 20 yards down the field. It's just not going to be his strength. He's about placement and timing. Uh, so they, they they also need to, as they look at personnel to add, you know, you hear like Allen Robinson, you hear Kenny Galladay. To me, this is more so Juju Smith-Schuster, Chris Godwin. I would want players who I trust on breaking routes. I would want players who I trust to do more with underneath targets because yeah. I think that's where two is going to be more successful getting the ball out quickly. Yeah. Uh, so was Tua's rookie season as cool as Justin Herbert's, who won Rookie of the Year? No. Was Tua's rookie season even as good as Joe Burrow, who's the first overall pick, had some tremendous moments for Cincinnati, was looking like a Offensive Rookie of the Year candidate, before injury no it wasn't he had the worst rookie season of the three quarterbacks but it was a rookie season it was mm-hmm. just a rookie season 
with all of the Deshaun Watson smoke, two things need to be said with with power and with certainty. One, while Tua did nothing to inspire elite confidence, like, oh my gosh, we got it, we nailed it. He really didn't do anything that, to me, brings a ton of doubt to mind. I think that he had a pretty boilerplate rookie season, and I think that you've changed your offensive coaching staff. You know you need to bring in some better weapons. You definitely need a slot receiver. You definitely need this offensive line to steady out in pass protection. With those things, you're going to build an environment in which he should continue to develop and should become the player that you drafted. You should feel good about that. You felt good about your pre-draft eval. Nothing he did last year should change that opinion strongly. So you say that one with strength. And then two with strength, you say, but none of that matters if Deshaun Watson's available, <laughs> right? It's not the Deshaun Watson trade isn't about doubt in Tua. It's not about, oh, we saw Tua for nine games and he didn't perform the way we wanted him to perform and he's bad now and we're going to make the Deshaun Watson trade because Tua is bad. No, you make the Deshaun Watson trade because it's Deshaun Watson. It doesn't really matter. Right. That, that could have been Justin Herbert. That could have been Joe Burrow. You would still look at this Deshaun Watson trade because it's Deshaun Watson. He transcends any reasonable expectation for a young quarterback. And so uh, the Dolphins really are in a good spot where I think they can say internally and externally, legitimately, with an honest face, we feel confident in Tua Tagovailoa moving forward as our quarterback of the future. And then also internally, they wouldn't say this externally, but internally say, let's try to make this Deshaun Watson deal happen because it's Deshaun freaking Watson. You think the Dolphins would be interested if they had Justin Herbert and Herbert had the year that he did? I, obviously, obviously, there is a lot that goes into it, like different receivers, completely different offensive line, different offense coordinator. I, I get it. A lot of things change around this, and it's not as easy as picking a guy up and putting him in a certain situation. But let's say that Justin Herbert has the fantastic year that he does, and he's playing for the Miami Dolphins. Do you think that they're interested in, in Deshaun Watson? Because I, I would say no. I, I don't think okay. that they would be. I can't remember what our answer was when we because we did this. We did the game. We were like, yes, what no, I, yeah, no, I, I remember, yeah. but I think, but I think for the Chargers, it's a little bit different than even Miami because Miami, with the number three overall pick, they would sit here and and especially with like all of the picks that Miami has currently, they could sit here and go, okay, we think that we we think that Justin Herbert really is a star, and like we we've, we've got this down here. We also know that we have the number three overall pick in which we could get a fantastic offensive lineman or whatever offensive weapon we want or whatever, or we could trade back and get more multiple first-round picks. So then they could sit here with Justin Herbert with a young offense all coming together and defensive players that are all going to come together under Brian Flores like they did last year. Some stuff might be up and down just because that's the nature of how defense is. I don't, I don't, I, this is just my personal opinion. I don't think Miami would do it if they had Justin Herbert. I think that they would look at their draft capital that they have over the next two years and could potentially even build on if they move back from number three, really not even that far, like eight to Carolina, which we've done a million times. And I think that they say, we've got multiple first-round picks in the next couple of rounds. we got multiple top 50 picks and top uh, top picks in day two. Like, I don't think they're interested. I don't think they do it. Right. There's So there's two things, I think. One is how much... Does Justin Herbert change the amount you'd have to send relative to Tua? Right. I think if the if you call the Dolphins, you're like we got Tua, uh, and we'll send you a couple first round picks. The the Texans would be like, yeah, you're gonna need to send multiple first round picks along with Tua to make this work, right? As opposed to we're sending Justin, 
after the rookie season he had, he's probably worth more, right? So there's that, which is number one. So like you would have to spend, you'd have to send fewer of your future picks, which helps. I did and think about two, that, but I also feel like Tex- the Texans would be stingy no matter what. Like they wouldn't do a deal for Justin Herbert and number three overall. Or do you think that they would? I, I, I guess I don't think so. I think they would require more. Like they'd be like, no, 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 we're not, we're not even having this conversation. I don't care who the player is. We're not having this conversation without multiple first round picks. Because I thought about that. I thought about that side of things as you were talking a couple of minutes ago. But I'm like, I don't know if the Texans are really going to give it that much of a discount for Justin Herbert. Maybe they would, but I, I, right. I, I think that they would be stingy because they would want a lot of draft picks anyways. I think they would, but either way, this this the the real answer is would would you would the chart like let's say it's the Chargers would the Chargers do it no would us as a media and as analysts as a country knowing what as a nation yeah, as a country as a people knowing what we know about Herbert's season which is that like a lot of his production came under pressure a lot of his production came on late downs. So a lot of it is like some very unstable stuff, just extreme playmaking under agonizing, like very difficult circumstances. Would we recommend they do it? I think that's where it's like, yeah, you know what I mean? So like, that's the problem is once you have the guy, you feel like you need to hold on to him. And that's why you could argue like they wouldn't do it with Herbert. And I hear you. I, I would hope that a general manager would say, I can only know things to X degree of certainty. I've only seen one season of Justin Herbert, which was, uh, absurdly good relative to his college film unexpectedly good maybe i should not view that season with as much confidence as i am and i should be more willing to accept the known quantity of deshaun watson versus what's probably a very volatile quantity in justin herbert but that's a conversation for a different day let's think of what the trade price would be for deshaun watson because it, it really feels like dolphins fans are torn here because you have people that go of course it's Deshaun Watson. And then you also have people who go, no, look, what Ben said is right. To his rookie year wasn't that bad. He was coming off major injury. He's adjusting from time at Alabama when his talent level was just clearly better better than everybody else. Like, he's still adjusting. He's going to get a new offensive coordinator. The young offensive line's getting better. They're getting different offensive weapons in here after free agency. All of this you could spin into saying, why would we give up multiple first-round picks to get a quarterback when we think that we have the quarterback anyways. Like, how much better, how much more of a guarantee is Deshaun Watson, and is that worth number three overall, a first-rounder next year, a top second-round pick this year, and Tua, and uh, I know Kyle Krabs has thrown this out as well, uh, David Howard. David Howard, they, they've talked about just, like, throwing his contract wow, in there. Wow. So, like, you're giving up two of these starters and big first-round picks, and a lot of Dolphins fans are like, no, what, no, wh- why, why would we do this? We shouldn't do this. This is just for... Some of them say it's just for Deshaun, and other people are say like, but it's Deshaun. And so that's really where Dolphins fans are. And so since we are doing a Fix Your Team podcast, I'll just, I'll set the price there. Let's say the price for the Watson deal is number three overall, their high second round pick, a, they have so many, they have so many picks, a first rounder next year, Tua and Howard. Are you doing that for Deshaun Watson? A three, a future one. Number early two. Number three. Number three overall. Yeah, the three. Yep. 
future one. Yep. Uh, early two, which would be like thirty-five, right? The yep. the Texans like pick. And then Tua and Howard. Yep. Done. Absolutely. Wouldn't even think twice about it. Nah, it's not even close. That's like I'm I'm. I'm looking at Miami's future picks right now. I'm going to be missing just a first round pick next year. And the only position I'm taking a hit on on my team is corner, which is my strongest position. Absolutely. Yep. Not even a not a hesitation. I agree. Lock that in. I agree. I think that I'm there too. And then I think that that's why that's that's why the conversation that we have with the Miami Dolphins is easiest when it comes to a Watson trade is because not only do they have the capital to where, like you just mentioned there, it's not necessarily biting them. The starters that they would want to give the Texans back also wouldn't hurt them that hard. Meanwhile, you look at other teams, like let's say the Carolina Panthers are second in the running, right? And they've got to offer two first-round picks this year and next year in which they don't have a plethora of picks. It's not like they've done all these trades and deals to move back and get extra right. draft capital. And there's a big difference between three and eight. And they're because, also, and yeah. they're, they're also, you know, there's talks of them giving up Christian McCaffrey and then potentially Brian Burns. I don't, I don't think that they're going to be able to get Christian McCaffrey and Brian Burns, but like you're, you're then just straight taking away multiple spots on the team. Whereas it's so much easier to picture Miami, not only offering the deal that I just offered right there, but also going above that, like throwing in more second round picks, like throwing in something else on day two, all of that, because they, they, they can't, they're in the position to do so. And Mm -hmm. so if, if I'm the dolphins, I'm with you. I'm, I'm doing everything for Deshaun Watson. I hear you that it's like, hey, let's not freak out about Tua Tungle-Vailoa, but I'm not going to lie. I'm a little worried after rookie season. I am because I I feel like Brian Flores should have had a lot more confidence in Tua in the situations in which he pulled him. Now, Ryan Fitzpatrick is an enigma. Like, he is just a strange (laughs) presence that no matter where he has been, he has just somehow come into games and been magic and fans love him, coaches love him, roster loves him, all this kinds of stuff. And so like that situation in and of itself is a weird element to bring into this, but I am doing whatever I can to get to Sean Watson. I'm not going to lie because I am a little bit gun shy about two at this point. There's a massive learning curve that he has to get over with Alabama. I don't know if he's going to get to that level at the NFL and I'm just kind of spooked by Brian Flores, who I feel like is a coach that instills confidence in a lot of his players. I think we see we saw that certainly on the jump that he made from his defense. And a lot of that came from first-year guys. Remember all the names that you mentioned of these guys coming into the Dolphins program for the first time via free agency last year? Brian Flores was able to put them in the right spot and give them confidence and have great chemistry on the defensive side of the ball very quickly. And yeah, they're veterans in the league, and it's a little bit different. I get it. I'm, I'm not trying to one-and-one compare it. It just spooks me a little bit that he did not have more confidence in Tua even to sit there and learn under heavy situations. Yeah, they were in the playoff run. I get it. all of the, all of this context for the Dolphins makes it a great situation all of that to say I'm trading for Deshaun Watson basically no matter what. So, free don't it. Think, go don't ahead. I think putting him in in week 8 is a lot of confidence. Like they they had the bye week. They were at a winning record and they were like, "Yeah, we're changing our quarterback to the rookie because we want the rookie to play." I just don't know how much of that decision was actually Brian Flores. 
Oh yeah, is that a thing? I didn't know that was a thing. Yeah. Be- look, man. If if because th- what you just said is very true. If he makes that switch from Ryan Fitzpatrick to to at that point in time during the season, and then proceeds to pull him multiple times after that when the game was on the line, uh, look that tells that tells me that he wasn't all in on making that switch. That that was not his full decision to make the switch to Tua. That's fair. And that's we, fair. We've, I thought about that, but that's we've, fair. We've seen coaches be scapegoats for a lot of higher up decisions, whether it was owners or general managers or front what whoever it was. And I really do think that there might have been a little bit of that at play with with what happened and how Tua got in there. So like free that's agents, fair. let's hit let's hit free agents really quick because we made our decision on Deshaun. We kind of spoke our truth about Tua Tonga Vailoa. Aaron Jones the running back from Green Bay, he has been linked to the Miami Dolphins. I think that that would be great for them, depending on how they view where they want to use their draft capital on a running back this this coming year. You know, you don't. I don't think you want to. You don't want to sign Aaron Jones to big money and then like draft Najee Harris at eighteen. You know, that would be that would be a poor use of resources, in my opinion. But I would love either option for Miami. You know, if they wanted to go one or the other, I think that that's a good that's a good uh, solution there. Right. I generally fear big money wide receiver or running back contracts. I do too. Right? I do too. Uh, I would get it for them because all right, if he's good for two years and you're trying to make the playoffs and make a playoff run in, in the next two years, cool. Uh, I just would be worried about, as per usual, tying money into a running back's late twenties because that seems to never go well. You also mentioned Chris Godwin. You mentioned Juju Smith-Schuster as potential big money wide receivers to go target. What about Curtis mm-hmm. Samuel? Curtis Samuel as well. Oh, I like Curtis Samuel. Yeah. Uh, I hadn't thought about that one. That's a good one. I hadn't uh, either. Yeah. I, was, I was looking at the free agency list, and I'm like, I feel like I've seen Curtis Samuel's name on every team's free agency wish list, and I hadn't seen them on Miami, and I was like, I actually really like this compared to who they have right yeah. now. It's tricky because you want to be able to say with confidence that a offensive designer will use Curtis Samuel in creative ways, and we don't really know what the offense is going to look like in Miami yet. Uh, so if they bring in Curtis Samuel, just hope is they have a good plan for him. Uh, I'd like, I, I would enjoy seeing them bring in a speed element. Uh, I think that they should be in on the Will Fuller market. I think they should be in on the T.Y. Hilton market. Mm-hmm. Uh, Hilton's a tricky one. Wrong side of 30. Historically, usually a little bit banged up. Um, I think Nelson Aguilar is a very, very good option for them, both as a field stretcher and as a potential guy in the slot, right? I think if you're looking at Juju as your primary slot guy and he's priced out for you or whatever, you can get Aguilar for much cheaper and you also get better long speed. Uh, And so it'd be nice for them to have a field stretching element just to pull safeties because Devontae is still going to be the number one target for this team Devonte parker and you'd like to be able to get safeties away from him such that you can always have one-on-one with him on the outside because like i said even if two is not going to throw that ball a ton uh that that contested catch that nine ball uh getting the safety away from it is going to encourage him to do it uh and and you'll be successful just putting the ball near Devonte parker and telling him to go get it so they've got options i'd like to see them go right slot speed timing like that's the sort of player that I'd like to see them go after as opposed to, like I said, a Kenny Gala there and Allen Robinson. Yeah. Corey Davis is a really interesting one for me because somebody's going to take a swing on Corey. I don't know if Miami has the, like, you know, if it's like, you know, Washington does, like, all right, cool, whatever. You know, if it's like the jets, like, yeah, okay. The jets have 25 billion dollars. Go for it. If it's Miami, it's like, all right, this guy has to be your guy. And he really had only that one strong year, but, uh, a player who's so good over the middle, toughness, hands, size, like he he can still fit your your 
culture in terms of these bigger wide receivers who line up on the outside, but also still give you the target over the middle that you need. Like it could work. It's just, it's a, it's a swing. It's a little, it's, it's probably too risky for my blood. Um, but they've got options. I'd like to see them go slot, but they definitely have to add a wide receiver. Um, I think they add one free agent offensive lineman as well, just to short up some depth. I gave them Matt feeler in three offensive free agents for the dolphins, the series that we're doing. Uh, the draft network. He was the tackle out of Pittsburgh, who's started at both guard spots and at tackle since uh, at, for the Steelers. Versatile guy, right? Because that, like I said, their offensive line, so many guys can move around. So you're going to look at versatile offensive linemen. You're going to look at a separating wide receiver, and then yeah, maybe Aaron Jones, just because he's Aaron Jones. He's really good. Right, right. I think that that those are, those are all realistic targets for them, and I think complement yep. what their offense is doing really well. I don't know how much they're going to do the offensive line. I think they're going to look into upgrades. They've got um, Karras who's a free agent for them, but I think that they're going to bring him back because they like him. And then outside of him, they got a lot of youth. They got a lot of uh, a young guys that they're betting on. I think that you're going to keep playing them. It just depends what right. offensive lineman they add in the draft. Which, I agree. Like I don't think they do it, but I would love if they were like Corey Lindsay, bang money. Sure, like, right, it would be great. But I don't think they do it. We're going to get to a three-round Miami Dolphins mock draft in a second after the break. But before we get there, all my betting people out there, Bet Online is the fastest, easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Football's over, but NBA, college basketball, NHL, they're all going on right now. Bet Online even covers awards, TV shows, reality TV, whatever it is that you're watching. They got real-time updated odds and props on almost anything that you can imagine. Just head over to the website, betonline.ag, or use your mobile device to sign up there. For a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Use the promo code when you sign up. Locked on. All caps, one word. Locked on. And you're going to get that 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online. Your sports online experts. We got a three-round mock draft coming up next. Thursdays on Locked On NFL are a must-listen. Ryan Tracy and Jake Lisko break down teams across the NFL from an analytics and team-building perspective. Get the expert analysis on your favorite teams from Ryan and Jake every Thursday. Subscribe to Locked On NFL wherever you get your podcasts. It's three-round mock time. Got to share the screen. Make sure Ben can see what craziness I got going on. Don't need to. I have it memorized. Here You're right. You, you have it memorized. Uh... All right, this is being difficult for me. Oh, there it is. Mock draft machine. Miami Dolphins are picking at number three. All right. We trading three. We keeping it, we trading it. I think that we should I think that we should at least trade it. Uh we don't have to do like a full fledged Deshaun trade just because it, it really just seems like the Texans are going to make this as difficult as possible. So let's not do a Deshaun Watson trade, but let's do a trade back because I think that that's, that's yeah. most advantageous for them, right. whether you're I doing don't a Watson think, deal or not. Right, yeah. Like, I don't think Deshaun will be available come April 29th. Um, and I think that the Dolphins, if Deshaun's not available, will trade this pick back to get future picks. So as to, if Deshaun Watson becomes available, have capital to spend on him. Carolina so, makes the most sense to me. Right. They always do. The Niners are another team that I think could could make sense, but it let's costs... do the Niners. We've done the Panthers like five times. Okay, all right. So if we do the Niners, moving up to three to go get a quarterback, we're trading back at three. Uh, it's a one this year, a one next year, and more. Oh, right. I'm just seeing what I'm what I'm looking at here. They got a second, third, fourth this year. Don't have any extra picks there. Put a 2022 second on it. Okay, second rounder next year, and then another. Oh man, I mean if it's 12 to 3, I probably want a 2023 first as well. I don't think you're going to get three firsts for that. Three firsts. All right, for give what? a 2023 second then. Okay, so 
two firsts, a second next year, and then a second the year after that. I want even more. For three? 12 to three is big. I don't know, man. That's, that's, I'm, Give I don't me a three know. Three this year. Oh, boy. You are just an absolute madman. This is, this, okay, right now, this is, is saying, it's saying the trade is very likely. It's saying that the, the Niners would accept yeah, the trade it, in a heartbeat. Yeah, but it, it was saying, it was saying that it was very likely. Well, All yeah, right, because so, yeah, you okay. have, you're trading from the Dolphins, right? So this is the Niners evaluating the trade. All right, okay. All right. Yeah. We'll do it. Think about it, but think about it. And then the, the Niners end up trading Jimmy Garoppolo away for like a second round pick to the Patriots, right? And so sick. They end up with freaking, um, I'm trying to remember the trade we just did. They end up trading two a ones, a two, and a three, and getting a two back. You can so, tease me there. The, the, because they're going to be able to trade Jimmy Garoppolo, it's not oh, going to hit as sure, okay, sure, 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 sure. Yeah, 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 I hear you. So in this mock draft simulation, uh, four quarterbacks went in the first four picks. Lawrence went to nice. the Jags. Wilson went to the Jets. Fields went to the nice. Niners at three, and then the Falcons got Trey Lance. All right, so Miami Dolphins are up at number 12 now. Oh, Devonta went off. Devonte Smith went off the board at eleven. That sucks. Yeah, and Jalen Waddle and Jamar Chase are already off the board. <sighs> they still have pick eighteen as well. Rayshon Slater's on the board. Michael I, Parsons on the board. Michael Parsons is on the board. I'm going Rayshon Slater here. If if I've uh, if I've got the floor, Elijah Vera Tucker could also make sense if you think that he's going to go this high. Mm-hmm. I which I know you do. Slater's probably right. Best player available and also could be a position of need. What do you think is a tackle or a guard? Kind right. of figure it out. And he's got a lot of yeah. versatility to him. Makes sense. Yeah, yeah, All right, so we'll Not go Ra- sexy, but it's right. We'll go Rayshon Slater at 12. Now we're up at 18. Did we lose Parsons? Frick. Yeah, Parsons went off at 15. Heck. Oh, so did Najee. Najee went to the Cardinals. No. Rashad Bateman. Bateman? Yeah, in breaking routes? Slants, deep digs, curls. That's why he ran in Minnesota. Played slot and outside. Go with the ball in his hands. No, I'm just kidding. Yes. It makes sense. I'm scanning. Think about what we talked about. Think about what we talked about with wide receiver. At least what I thought I talked about wide receiver. That's Bateman, man. You know who Kyle Comps Bateman do, right? Who? Justin Jefferson. Oh, wow. That is some high ass praise. Whew. All right, fine. We can go Bateman. Yeah, buddy. Oh, all right. I said said Slater on the first one, so we go Bateman on this one. Now they're picking again at 36. Man, drafting for the Dolphins is so much fun. (laughs) This is is so (laughs) much fun. Every team should do this. Okay, so... Went offensive tackle and wide receiver. Linebacker could still be in need. Running back could still be in need. Oh, Javante's off the board. Who took Javante? Yo, we keep getting sniped on running back? Why are we getting sniped on running back? What world is this? This is stupid. Who's a linebacker? Not Javante Williams. Oh my god! No Zayvon Collins, no Nick Bolton? No. Restart it. Restart it. Go back to the beginning. This is so bad for us. We were just talking about how fun it was to draft for the Dolphins. Okay. Who's what's the top of the board right now is Kadarius Tony, Liam Eikenberg, Richie Grant, Trevon Merrig, Dylan Radins, Eric Stokes. Man, when Kyle was like, oh, we updated the predictive order, I didn't know he was screwing us actively. <laughs> Heck. 
when's their next pick? 50. So they pick in 14 more selections. I say I I say we I say we just burn the world and we go Kadarius Tony at thirty six even after going Bateman. I was thinking about it. What's uh What's tight end look like? They got everybody here, Ryan other than other than Kyle Pitts, obviously. Where yeah, did Kyle, where did think... Kyle Pitts go in this one? Eight to Carolina. Yikes! Eight to Carolina. <sighs> Not that that's a bad okay, thing. So, didn't get a quarterback. Yeah, like can we see top, top of the board again, real quick? Just everybody. All right, Mac Jones. Yeah, I mean. So- Tony, <laughs> Tony's probably <laughs> your, your best player available, right? Yeah, I would I would probably go Tony here. But, you know, for Dolphins fans out there, we were looking at Javante Williams, the running back from North Carolina. That's I think that he's he, he's a great round two target here at number 36. Uh, linebacker as well. You know, like if Nick Bolton makes it, if Zayvon Collins makes it, I think that that's smart for them, especially if they don't pick Parsons earlier. So I'm going to go, yeah, I'm going to go Kadarius Tony. I'm going to piss everybody off. Not Dolphins fans. They're just going to piss the rest of the league off. I'd say, yeah, like it's, listen, we need to solve wide receiver. Let's solve wide receiver. I I agree with you. Now they're a bit bit 50. Linebacker, Baron Browning is still here. Baron Browning, Dylan Moses, Chad Surratt. What about Edge? Oh, man, Edge Edge went. I mean, they'd like Basham and Odie Ingbo, uh, Wake Forest and Vanderbilt, respectively, both of them being big ends in the in the mold of a Shaq Lawson or Emmanuel Ogba. I don't think they, they need either that badly. I think they can wait on it, come back on it in, in round three. Uh, is Michael Carter still available? Running he back is. out of North Carolina? He is. I would start looking at Michael Carter at the edge of top 50. Um, complimentary 1B back that is featured in the passing game is what Joe has written down for him. Uh, so you can play him with Miles Gaskin and have – Split carries, both are legitimate pass catchers. Um, linebacker, linebacker was Browning Moses. I mean, they'd like Baron Browning. He gives you size and explosiveness next to Baker. Same thing with Chaz Surratt, Dylan Moses, right? Alabama. He's gonna have the head for the game. All of those guys are good options. I think I'd lean Dylan Moses here. I'm down for that. Have you watched Jameen Davis, by the way, the linebacker from Kentucky? He's up at 76 on the predicted board now. No, I saw you tweeting about him. 6'4", 224, has absolutely no idea what he's doing. Amazing tape. Not, <laughs> it's not actually true. He, he figured it out by the end of the season. Some of his early season tape, you're like, brother, the ball's in front of you. Uh, but he's like, like it's a, it's a Simmons body type, right? Isaiah Simmons, it's 6'4", 225, and he can fly. Huh. Uh, so he's like, the league is kind of interested in him. He's a lot of fun. Draft athletes, baby. All right, so here we are in the third round, pick 81. <sighs> all right. Running back. I'm going Michael running Carter's back. still Michael here. Carter's Michael Carter's still, still here. All right, all right, we got our running back. Okay, cool. Uh, check edge really quick. Okay. Peyton Turner's top guy on the board right now. Right, then they'd love Peyton Turner, but I think at this point you take Michael Carter and you and you hope that between Carter and, and Gaskin, you get a guy that you trust throughout the year. I was also thinking Trey Sermon. I just saw you click him, but I still think it's Carter. Hmm. Hmm. Do we have another pick in this draft? Do they have another third-round pick? Oh, they do. <laughs> oh they do. Gosh, they do. We got a 102. All right, I'm waiting on it then. I'm waiting on running back. Let's go. And you're trying to get Trey Sermon? Yeah, let's get Peyton Turner. All right, so Turner, 81, and we're going to risk it on running back. Oh, my gosh, this is so stressful. I need to pee. Peyton, All right, Peyton, Peyton Turner, the six foot five uh, amoeba of an edge rusher who's played basically every position on the defensive line. He's got an insane wingspan. I'd, I'd love to get give Brian Flores Peyton Turner. Right, put it on running back so we can watch. All right. Michael Carter we're just chilling. went. We're chilling. Sermon's going to be there. Kenny Gainwell is still there. Yep, all right. 
Trey I Sermon? think the best option is Sermon. Yeah, I think I he's think the so best too. natural runner left. Kenneth Gainwell, Kylan Hill, Trey Sermon, Chuba Hubbard, Ramondre Stevenson. I think he's the best ball in hand player, and that's what they need. They have scat backs. Sermon's going to give them power. What they want it with Jordan Howard. All right, so I think we got screwed over a little bit there as a run from 18 to 36 had a lot of players that we were yeah, looking at. But sniped our guys. When it was all said and done, first round, we went Rayshon Slater, the offensive tackle from Northwestern, gives you that guard tackle versatility. We also have Rashad Bateman at number 18, who's a great route runner and can play in the slot. 36, we set the world on fire by then also adding the speed and quickness of Kadarius Toney. Got a good smart linebacker in the middle at number 50 with Dylan Moses from Alabama. Then 81, we went Peyton Turner. Very versatile, unique kind of defensive player who's fluctuated his weight over the course of his career at Houston. He's got an insanely long wingspan. He can do a lot of different things for a defense, which is fantastic for Flores, who likes to keep things very versatile and keep offensive lines guessing. Then the final pick of the draft, we saved Trey Sermon, the running back from Ohio State, as our final selection in this three-rounder. I think we did pretty good here, all things considered. like. Seeing the board the way I saw it, I was like, dang. But actually, now that I look at this, I'm like, that's not that bad. I You should share this one on Twitter with the trade and see what people think. I'd be curious for the, the people's uh, input on this approach. Okay. All right. So I will I will release this, release this podcast, and then I'll give people... I'll give people a couple of hours to listen to it, and then I'll tweet it out, and y'all, y'all can give us your responses on that. That was All the right. final Fix Your Team wow. episode. This was fun. We're so good at this. I dude, we fixed so many things. Dude, I, I, I really love this series. I think I, I said it either on Tuesday or Monday, but uh thank you to to the fans for the suggestion of having us do this kind of like fixture team format. It was a blast for us to really dive into the situations of teams, both in the front office and then of course the coaching staff as well, then getting into the salary cap, the free agents they could target. I learned a lot doing research on a lot of different teams, and it's helped me understand the picks that they should be making, who they should be going after in free agency versus the draft. And so I really enjoyed it. Hope you guys out there really enjoyed it as well. We had a blast with it. It's, it's something that we are for sure going to bring back at some point next year as well. We'll probably evolve it a little bit, uh, enhance it, maybe get some guests in here, some outside voices to tell us about the teams. Speaking of that, we, of course, have our guest mock draft series that we are still doing. Um, I'm confirming that now, at least Lord willing, the schedule allows us to do it. But before we get to that point, and the reason why we're not doing any more fixture teams is because starting on Monday, Ben and I are beginning our final evals for positions in the 2021 NFL Draft. We're watching all the film that we possibly can. We're coming up with the rankings. We're going to go positions first. We'll go big board at the very end, and then we'll bring it all together with a mock draft at the end of March. So that's what we're going to be doing over the next month. Uh, do you say nope or yeah, not not doing any more mock drafts, please? Oh yeah, sure. You're sorry. Respect you're right. my decision. Um, <laughs> I'm I'm never talking to Ben after after this podcast again. No, actually, we got we we do have one more that we that we have to do. We have to do Fan Friday. Contractually, you're obligated to do at least one more Fan Friday before you maybe opt out of that's your fair, contract and don't show up on Monday. Fan Friday, of course, coming up tomorrow. Find me on Twitter at Tampa Bay Trey. Find Ben on Twitter at Benjamin Solak. You can find the little Q&A starter that we have there to get your questions in on the show. If you're more on Instagram than Twitter at MT underscore Trevor. Of course, if you're in the premium Slack as well, we will see your questions that way. We'll see you guys tomorrow. Until then, you guys keep it locked right here on Locked on NFL Draft.